You are listening to Oblivion. It is January 29th, 2024. Uh, well, Gaza continues. The horrors. There always seems to be a new low for Gaza. Um, uh, there was an Israeli official um, that uh, just casually called for nuking Gaza uh, this week. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's kind of something something that uh, officials do. You know, that's just kind of uh, being gotta keep people on their toes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, not only is it just psychotic uh, for you to even. Um, um, think of this as uh, to yourself as something uh, to do, um, uh, and uh, that it's just a, a crime to suggest such a thing. Um, <clears throat> probably, literally, um, f- as far as international law is concerned, to make threats like that that are uh, um, just uh, extreme and ridiculous. Uh, but it also oddly. Uh, it shows that it, it <clears throat> it's a tacit admission that uh, by Israel that they have nukes. Uh, of course, it's a not very secret uh, nuke program. And uh, but well, if you nuke Gaza, then there wouldn't be any people left <laughs> to kill. Yeah, uh, but you know, of course, they're not. You know, and they're also not going to do that in that they would uh, radiate the whole region. That would be immoral. Well, it would radiate the region. I mean, just on a kind of a practical, uh, you know, because they want to, like, take it over. I mean, they want to resettle it, I'm sure, or just completely kill them all and drive them out. Uh, Lebensraum. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, nuke them all. That's that's a thing. So, anyway, it's another international, not like the Israel or the U.S. seems to care about... uh, <clears throat> human rights are yeah so uh yeah it's just one more low and uh, of course the you know people are starving you know that, that's more of a obvious thing now uh, you know and the and the same things that have been going for months are just keep going you know like the the ho- hospital or maybe it's the same one i don't know uh you know is, is under attack right now and uh that's the latest focus of the terror and um, you know, they bombed the shelter, uh, but they've been doing that all along, too. I mean, I, I remember from very early in the, quote, conflict or the genocide, as it should be called, telling people to go south, and they were bombing the people in the south even then, the first weeks of the thing. So it's been like this constant constant, outra- constant nightmare, as it was a quote that you sent along. Uh, go over here. No, go over here. No, go over here. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's like trying to go where it's not raining, right? <laughs> yeah. It's raining yeah. here. Let's go over here. Oh, no. Really, I think the big, uh, to show you <clears throat> how the whole uh, world and really all of Western <clears throat> culture is uh, on board with this genocide, <clears throat> uh, I think the big news with Gaza is that the uh, International Criminal Court, of course, pandered to the genocidal tendencies. <clears throat> Wasn't there a, a group in the 80s called Suicidal Tendencies? That's, I think we might have them. That sounds uh, familiar. If not, we got a we got a coin Band name, <laughs> episode title, Genocidal Tendencies. Yeah. But the ICC, of course, said, no, this isn't genocide, but Israel needs to do a better job of not killing people, civilians. And um, is anybody that can show me how any effort has been made not to kill as many civilians as possible or why this is not <clears throat> genocide, I have no idea how you could come up with such an argument. Unless, of course, you get off on wiping out this whole race of people and you just don't want to call it genocide. Makes me think of Plato. Is a thing holy because you say it is or do you say it is because it's holy? I mean, do you not say this, this isn't 
genocide because it is not, or is it not genocide because you say it isn't? Yeah, so is there a, what would your answer be to that? Well, I think it's pretty obvious it's not genocide because you're saying it's not genocide, not because right. it actually is not. Right, yeah. I mean, and it's, this is like the most undeniable uh, uh, situation, you know, it's been totally televised, you know, all the details. I'm seeing Twitter, you know, I'm going down through Twitter and, oh, you know, there's a dead baby, uh, you know, uh, a burned baby, a baby without uh, legs. Uh, some woman dies of a heart attack. She's like 25 from the stress of it. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just going down through Twitter right now just to looking at the, the horror. Right? By all international <laughs> accounts, the International Red Cross, I think that I... Uh, texted you one source when I was listening to this person from uh, Switzerland talk. Um, yeah. Let me see if I can find who that was. Um, yeah. Uh, Tommaso Della Longa from the International Federation of the Red Cross. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's Tanya Hodge Hassan. And then also um, <clears throat> a doctor uh, Maynard uh, these are all people that have gone to war zones to provide uh, emergency care and, and health care because you not only have all these wounded and dying, but then you have the disruption of the supply chain so people can't get their uh, medicine and their, uh, their health care, even if they haven't been bombed or had a limb blown off. And according to all of these people, this is the worst thing that's ever happened, the worst thing that they've ever seen. And so what I want to ask all of the liberals is, what was it that happened under Donald Trump that even came close to being as bad as what's going on in Gaza? Oh, I know what it was. Donald Trump was president. You had to look at him and listen to him. And that, talk about egomaniacs. Well, um, I mean, like, the president I, I mean, who gets on my nerves. Well, I don't like this person's personality. Well, That's worse than. Well, it, it's it's the it's the same it's the same, David. Because uh, you know, basically, Trump would be doing well. I mean, how could he do more than uh, um, Biden has as far as support? But it would be the same, basically. Um, well, I agree flavor. with you on on that. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and that's why right. I don't buy into the Republicans. Like the Republicans may be, um, they they might criticize Biden over his handling of what's going on in the Middle East. But if Republicans are in there, it would be just as bad or even worse. And I think that gets back to the idea of sham democracy, right? Like how is it a democracy when no matter who is in the White House or what party is in control, you're always going to get the same thing. How does your vote have any meaning? How does it affect anything when it's always the same outcomes? Yeah, so we, we've got the this last week uh, in response to the ICJ's uh, ruling that it was, um, it, what, they didn't use the term genocidal, which is a little disappointing, or genocide, but, uh, you know, they called for immediate ceasefire and, and all this, and... Uh, then the response from the the U.S. Um, and and allies uh, from hell was to cut the uh, U.N. humanitarian aid uh, um, program. <laughs> so, you no know, kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know um, that that's the. That's the response you're getting from us. It's like, you know, we're not genociding enough. How dare you fucking say, <laughs> you know. Uh, we're not only going to keep it up, but we're going to. Cut all the aid, too, you know. Show, show what a humanitarian we are. To mitigate uh, what's, what's called a constant nightmare. That's a quote from uh, Della Longa. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, constant nightmare. No medicine, no fuel for hospitals. Yeah. And there was a center 
sheltering displaced Gazans that was attacked. So there are these people that if you talk about, go here, we're not going to bomb there. Oh, we're now we're going to bomb there, go here. So center sheltering displaced Gazans, you've been displaced, go to a shelter. Now we'll bomb the shelter. Who bombs a shelter? How can you bomb a shelter? And that's not called genocide. Yeah. And like I said, this has been going on for the whole thing. Right, so it's the same level of genociding. Right, they use the excuse that Hamas uses civilians as shields. They use hospitals and other places as their headquarters to say that, well, you can't bomb us since we're using these hospitals and civilians as shields. And then Netanyahu and Biden say, well, but we still have the right to kill you because killing you means we're defending ourselves, so we'll just kill everybody. If we kill everybody, then we know we've killed some of the hostages. But the real point, and this takes me back to uh, Chris Hedges and the point that he makes about how the war industry is the real enemy. Israel isn't accomplishing anything from a military perspective. I mean, from the standpoint of uh, bigotry and hate, they're accomplishing something. Because they're visiting all this incredible pain and suffering on these uh, people who they don't think are human beings. But militarily, is the war over? No. Is Hamas still intact? Yes. And what just happened most recently in this escalating cauldron in the Middle East that uh, Iran killed. Uh, three American troops at an air base in Jordan. And so now we're waiting to see what the United States is going to do in retaliation to this. So the pattern is you're killing all these people. You're destroying an entire uh, enclave. I don't know if Gaza is called a country or a settlement. What would you call it? Uh, well, yeah, it's the uh, territory. Uh, it's a concentration camp. <laughs> you know, they're right. They're killing all these people. They're destroying yeah. Gaza, whatever you want to call Gaza yeah. territory, settlement, yeah. concentration camp, um, oceanside resort right <laughs> there on the coast of the Mediterranean. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, it's a total Mediterranean. <laughs> probably better than parts of Siberia, although with <laughs> climate change. Siberia is probably a choice place for summer yeah, vacation. Down down the line, I'm sure. If you're killing all these people, what's being accomplished? I mean, if this was such an effective campaign of this brutality and just let them have it. Well, yeah, it's just sick. How come it's not over? It's sick sadism. I mean, there's no other way of putting it, man. I mean, um, when yeah. When does it end? What's the objective? Yeah. How do we know when the objective is met? We don't. You just kill and kill and kill. Now three American troops have been killed. This is addition to the two Navy SEALs who were killed last week. Yeah, then there was this interesting... So we have to retaliate for that. Well, there was Where the... the did you hear about the Does drone... Does anyone care? Of did course you, not. Did you hear about the drone attack um, in uh, Jordan? Right, uh, that's the one I was talking about. Killed three U.S. troops. Yeah, and I mean, so it was... That the surprise there was we have troops in Jordan. <laughs> you know that was news to me. Uh, you know, I, I guess apparently we just have troops everywhere, right? I mean, but well, uh, Jordan is an ally, and so Jordan lets United States hang out there as a anchor or to have a a base in the in the Middle East. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know there were any bases, you know, any official uh, U.S. Oh bases yeah, America's got bases everywhere, everywhere. Well, yeah, there's like eight hundred or something. Yeah, all right. Officially, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the it's right. the British Empire replaced by American military bases everywhere. Yeah, now we're number one. So, yeah, speaking of uh, the uh, sports-like attitude, um, I did, just as a quick aside, I saw that uh, Kansas City 
one, and uh, they'll be against the 49ers. And the Kansas City, of course, the only reason I bring that up is as the Taylor Swift uh, thing rolls on, you know, along with it, you know. Um, so it's the greatest superstar is uh, uh, <clears throat> going to continue to be number one, uh, just like the Empire. The greatest superstar <laughs> is on her way to the Super Bowl. I mean, I don't know. It's such a obvious slam dunk. I mean, why not just have Taylor Swift be the halftime act? She'll be there anyway. Yeah, that would be cool. I wonder who is Maybe the... she could just play the football game. Here's what they should start doing. Like, instead of playing the Super Bowl, they should just have a performance, right? And then, in the middle of the performance, when they, when it's time for the performance to take a break, you bring the football players out, and you let them... Uh, paralyze each other and give each other concussions for about 15 minutes then you bring the entertainment back out no one will know the difference that was the super bowl oh they didn't even play the game this year oh wow <laughs> cool yeah taylor was just so awesome man yeah speaking of taylor swift uh this is a, a interesting topic uh that i've been wanting to uh talk about for the last couple of weeks I've been watching a lot of the music videos lately, and I think that we're seeing the best music ever of all time. I'm incredibly impressed by these young artists. I see a fusion of counterculture, rap, and techno. Oh, yeah. And there's um, there's uh, Tate McRae, uh, Kelly Clarkson, uh, or Clarkson, Kelly Clarkson. Uh, Ivy and Saweetie with a song called uh, All Night. Uh, Kim Patris uh, with a song called um, uh, When We Were Young. Uh, French Montana and Little Baby with um, OK. And then uh, a guy named uh, Jack White, who I saw for the first time last night. And all this music and the videos are just awesome. Um, there's a, another video by an artist named uh, Kid Leroy, and at the very beginning of it, you see someone putting blotter on someone's tongue, and it says joy. <laughs> and then they're all dressed up as rabbits, right? <laughs> Which I don't take to mean fornicating rabbits, I take it to mean white rabbit, as in psychedelics. So, how does this tie into what we've been talking about? Well, with all this amazing music and these, I think, brilliant psychedelic uh, videos and, and really this, again, this wonderful blending of these uh, established genres so that the music doesn't sound so uh, compartmentalized the way that I think it has in recent decades where everything is, is very specifically a certain thing right it starts to sound less like music and more like uh, a derivative trend out of all of this then suddenly taylor swift comes on and i watch her video and i listen to her song and then i became i become even more lost in terms of why she is such a big deal because compared to all of the stuff that i've seen uh, not that the Taylor Swift songs or videos were, were bad, like, uh, but she's not even close to as good as these other artists. Uh, Sophie Vaughn. Uh, oh, uh, Jesse Murph with uh, Wild Ones and Heartbroken. I mean, these people are awesome. Um, way better. Uh, Kelly Clarkson, Miss Independent. I mean, these are great songs, great videos. And I watched Taylor Swift's. And it's like, I don't really see what the big deal is. I certainly don't see her as the leader of all these other people. I mean, if anything, she's kind of the generic, um, you could say, network television version of these real artists, which is probably why she's propped up, because she's kind of like maybe the Beatles during the 60s, where there's no way the Beatles were anywhere close to as good as these other bands and the, the music and the power that they, that they brought, but the Beatles really fit the lowest common denominator. 
right? I mean, they had the following, people losing their minds. We saw with the Ticketmaster meltdown last year um, that uh, the way everybody lost their minds, these younger people did when they couldn't get their Taylor Swift tickets. There's also a lot of uh, reggae infused in this music. Um, so you've got the, the, the Rasta, the rap, the techno, and then the counterculture element of the psychedelic videos and this uh, supercharged uh, positivity and, and really just um, way out there creativity. I mean, new, fresh, popping electric sounds. So the music revolution is underway. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that as underlying uh, uh, the uh, uh, phony uh, superstar um, thing. There's actually some good art going on. Yeah, I've compiled a, a list I've been watching, and I'll, I'll keep this list going. And in future podcasts, I'll make some suggestions. Them. What's that? Make some suggestions. Certainly. Well, I mean, I, right away, I would say Ivy and Saweetie uh, with with All Night, uh, Tate McRae, uh, Kelly Clarkson, Miss Independent from the album Thank You. I'm uh, not Thank You, but Thankful. Um, French Montana and Little Babe, a uh, Little Baby, uh, Jack White, and uh, Sophie Vaughn. I mean, I would start. Um, I mean, you've got a good system there in the billiard room. <laughs> See if you can find those and play some of them, and and tell me, uh, mm -hmm. tell me what you think. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. Uh, so yeah, let's. Um... It's kind of like the counterculture has returned, but of course, it's not going to look like it did in the late '60s, mm -hmm. right? It, it has that more. Um, electric, uh, shiny, polished, digital quality that all these people grew up with. But here's something to think about. These people were 10 years old when pot became legal. And they were teenagers during the pandemic. So they've had two, I think, advantages as artists going for them is that they are um, they're young enough that, that they're really the first sort of emerging generation to grow up where it's okay to use marijuana. And so right away they are able to uh, enjoy that and get the benefits from it medicinally and cre uh, creatively. And I really do think that the pandemic, it was a disruption. No matter what you want to say about how things were before or after, it was a disruption. And it has given the people in society that are capable of any kind of introspection, uh, it gave them the, the time for that. And I do think in a country that is as enormous and has as many people in it, that a lot of people changed their outlook. And especially artists who are the more open-minded types of people. And uh, so the combination, I think, of marijuana, psychedelics, the disruption of the pandemic has brought a, a much needed and much welcomed uh, rejuvenation and revitalization of the art and music scene. Oh, here's another name for you. This guy's from Kentucky, uh, Jack Harlow. He's got a good piece called uh, Lovin' On Me. It's kind of a rejection of sadism. I think the lyrics go something like, I don't get into whips and chains, but you can whip your loving on me. <laughs> right on, man. <laughs> but yeah, I, th I think he's pretty awesome. And another thing that I like about these people is, is I'm seeing a lot of collaboration where you'll have like a, a big shot name, but then they'll bring in someone else just to do this one song with them. And that's a sense of... That's a communal sense and a collaborative sense that I don't think you really see in any previous generation, right? You have mm -hmm. this, we're our band, we do our songs. 
this is this artist, they do their song. But you have a lot of you have people teaming up. And I think that also makes the art more generative and lively. Right, and it's facilitated by the internet where you don't even have to be in the same place to collaborate on a song. Right, that's that's a good yeah. point. And and they, that's another thing. These people have grown up with this, and so they're better at just using it intuitively. They're following our lead, man. It all starts with podcasting. <laughs> so I'm looking on um, Twitter, and uh, there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you heard Nancy Pelosi's thing where she went on to a talk show or something and was saying that the the people the the people that were calling for a ceasefire i guess democrats um were uh, uh agents of putin agents <laughs> she was actually saying that uh you know it, it was either that you were um just uh, uh don't know any better or you're a, a putin puppet <laughs> was what she said and then uh, I was just reading this, that uh, there were protesters outside her house, and Pelosi protesters, uh, she says, yelled at, go back to China where your headquarters are. <laughs> oh, so, man. Sounds like it's one of Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, but that can't be, David. She's a Democrat. <laughs> She's not MAGA. And... Uh, yeah, so that's all over Twitter. Um, yeah, these sickos. Uh, yeah, so I was seeing that Alabama uh, executed uh, uh, a man uh, using nitrogen gas. It's basically um, it's suffocating a person. Uh, you know, you give them quote air, but they're breathing. They don't, there's no oxygen, so. You lose consciousness fairly quickly, um, but um, yeah. So just uh, suffocating is the new way of execution, uh, and uh, the Alabama. It just isn't genocide without capital punishment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I mean, we we couldn't be genociders without uh, supporting that, and uh, yeah, but yeah, the the genocide is like capital punishment but no law behind it at all right it's just open you can just kill right yeah it's like a, a video game uh yeah but yeah to your point um as, as far as uh israel's goal supposed goals in this uh hamas is still you know taking it to them you know, there's street combat that they're having to do. You know, they can do their bombing, but if they want to like occupy the territory, uh, you know, they 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 haven't driven Hamas out at all from the north or the south. So, um, you know, they're they've totally failed on that, and they're not going to win this because, um, you know, I don't, um, you know, unless unless they nuke them all, right? That'll that'll work. <laughs> Um, right, and then we can just kill the whole planet. Yeah, yeah it's the uh, omnicide party, all right? Uh, but I tell you what I think we're seeing here with the uh, the killing of the, the three troops and the air base in Jordan is, is I think that the, uh, the tactic of the enemy is Lingqi. Lingqi is Chinese for uh, death by a thousand cuts. And you may uh, be familiar with that type of uh, execution that you just, you it's like torture and execution at the same time. And it, you see the difference in, in the, the West and the, uh, the, the Middle East, right? These... Uh, enemies from from the uh, arab world which the the u.s uh, and the and its allies like israel uh you think about shock and awe now you think about genocide in, in gaza and it's just kill blow up destroy right look look at our might look at our power crush kill destroy 
what, what the what what the what the enemy does is it's just over a long long time you there's one cut here there's one cut there you kill three people here kill a couple of navy seals kill a few more people here and a few more people there and and the west just never wins it never accomplishes anything it it spends a fortune and slowly over time more and more uh soldiers and and allies get killed and uh in fact one of the most uh, sickening things was last week when some israeli soldiers were killed you may have read about that i think 21 israeli soldiers were killed and that actually motivated the united states to say maybe we should pause things so 25,000 civilians are killed keep going 21 Israeli soldiers are killed. Oh shit, we we better chill out. <laughs> Talk about dehumanizing. 25,000 Palestinians still isn't worth 21 Israelis. <laughs> That's like a 10,000 to 1 ratio. How many Palestinians does it take to make a human being? At least 10,000. Well, yeah, it's, um, you know, uh, which is basically zero, right? <laughs> there, right. There's no way that it can be, uh, you know, they can be a human. If you thought these people were human beings, you couldn't do this to them. Instead, it's like uh, killing a bunch of termites. Yeah, so let's see what uh, some uh, headlines from the New York Times. Yeah, the number one, of course, is the drone attack. Uh, the names were... Uh, and uh, let's see, what else we got? We got... Uh, Inside Biden's anti-Trump ba battle plan, and where Taylor Swift fits in—that's a—that's a great headline. Talk about politics. <laughs> Taylor Swift's part of the politics, man. I'm telling you, she's everywhere. It's a big app. It's she's a big op of some kind. We're not really sure what it is, but uh, uh, there's some kind of conspiracy going on. Taylor yeah. Space. <laughs> And Taylor Swift is total space. <laughs> total space of Taylor Swift. Total Taylor. Um, and they've got this, uh, uh, as usual, um, anti-China piece on New York Times. Uh, it's about the Evergrande will be dismantled. That was the Evergrande was the big um, uh, real estate. Um, company firm uh, which has gone bankrupt uh, you know and they've used this to you know, show how China is you know not doing so great you know and and uh, China's a baddie and um, <clears throat> but I mean the thing is that uh, unlike in the US they didn't bail out this company they've liquidated it you know they said you didn't <laughs> you know you didn't you're a private thing but we're not gonna uh, bail you out like the u.s does with just about any uh um any corporation that really wants it you know um especially real estate and uh and so what's the status of that organization today uh, well, yeah, they just, um, you know, it went, uh, you know, basically bankrupt and, and China will take over whatever, um, is left over, right? You know, and like the U.S. where it would be sold off to other, you know, <laughs> capitalist crooks, but they'll like, um, you know, a little bolster. It'd be sold off to other people who had high-ranking 
positions in the federal government and have now gone back to the private sector, just like Eric Holder, the Obamacons right. attorney general. Yeah, this is standard procedure and and the halls of power now. I mean, there's just no, uh, um, you know, there was bas- what was it like a Raytheon guy as the Secretary of Defense, <laughs> you know, um, the, you know, this that kind of bullshit. It's just there's no separation between the two anymore. And, right. I mean, it's complete corruption. You can't uh, you can't regulate you you don't you can't take the idea of regulation seriously when you have basically people regulating themselves. It's like you just worked for this corporation, now you've got a high ranking cabinet position. Your job is to regulate this corporation that you just worked for, and you'll go back to working for as soon as disappointment expires. Like Holder was one of the senior partners at a wealthy, powerful law firm that basically represented the banks and the rich. Then he becomes attorney general and says, we're not going to prosecute the the banks, the investment banks for fraud after the 08 collapse. And then when the Obamacon is done with his presidency, Eric Holder gets hired back by the same firms that represent the bankers that he decided not to prosecute as attorney general. And there certainly, uh, whether you could do it by an official rule or there would just be a code, some vague semblance of honor, um, you can't really, uh, there should be some sort of rule or protocol set up that if you're going to be in government, you can't hop back and forth between government and then these industries that you're working for. Of course, in America, people look at it the opposite. If you have, if you've had all of this experience in the private sector, then if you're hired for a government position, that's a good thing because you're a smart person and you know how things work and you'll, you won't uh, over-regulate and bog down the economy. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's a bit uh, it's a bit ridiculous. And um, an interesting headline: the Chinese were supposed to already be in a major recession because uh, they don't believe in spend, spend, spend the way that that we do. Uh, but I don't believe that's happened either, has it? Well, and and they do believe in spend, 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 but on on uh, you know the people and you know building a. Uh, 2,000 kilometers of high-speed rail in a year, uh, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Uh, right, uh, but the, the culture itself, like when the, uh, during inflation, say the previous couple of years, the Chinese people, I'm not talking about the Chinese system or, or government, mm-hmm. but the Chinese people, um, they said, well, there's all this inflation, we're not going to spend money. And of course, Americans looked at that and thought, oh, that's bad. As soon as people aren't spending money, then it's going to devalue the currency, and then that's really going to cause an economic problem. And it's like, well, no, that actually sounds like a more sensible approach to how you would handle your money, that when there's inflation, you just say, well, I won't spend any money right now. That, That seems like a much more effective response prices going up, then I have to do my duty as an American consumer. I'll just spend, 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 no matter what. New normal. And, yeah, and speaking of... Sp- Gotta uh, deal with it. Speaking of, make it work. Speaking of spending, um, here's a headline for you, and, and, and it signals some interesting things. For Europe and NATO, a Russian invasion is no longer unthinkable. As U.S. support for Ukraine crumbles, interesting phrase, and Donald Trump's candidacy rises, European nations and NATO are making plans to take on Russia by themselves. Uh, I think the key thing in there is the, um, to me, is as U.S. support for Ukraine crumbles. So they're, 
uh, I mean, they're admitting it's going to, quote, crumble, meaning that uh, the, I guess the U.S. is t- <laughs> uh, doesn't seem like they can win it, maybe. Uh, finally, somebody's deciding not to keep funding it as much, maybe. Um, it's just such an incredible waste. I mean, and uh, I mean, the money is one thing, but it's the loss of life. And right. just the, yeah. the suffering, all the wounded, all the people being killed. And what is actually being accomplished? And it's just this, this uh, Zelensky and everybody who supports uh, continuing this war and supporting Ukraine against Russia, it's, it's so irresponsible and, and delusional. There's no difficult thinking going on at all. If you can't win this war, you are wrong by continuing to fight it. If there's no way for you to win, it's just foolhardy. And it's all about pride and ego that Zelensky is going to grandstand and have the spotlight and say, look at me, look at what a hero I am. And he does talk in those terms. He uses phrases, uh, terms like hero and we're going to be brave and stronger than them. But that's that's a very... Uh, generic and uh, banal way to think about it and it's it's borne out in the behavior and the reaction of the ukrainians themselves when the war first started and Zelensky was saying we're gonna win and we're gonna fight them back and we're gonna be tough and they thought they were just gonna come in here and roll straight into kiev and take over country and they're not it's like, okay, yeah, that didn't happen. But the tough question is, what is going to happen? Early in the war, Ukrainians were really into it. And they were volunteering. But all of a sudden, two years later, people don't want to volunteer. Right? And there's all this corruption. Uh, that was a big story last year with the recruiters taking bribes so that people didn't have to enlist. And why is this? Because they're really not Ukrainians. They're really human beings, right? And this human beings watches what happens. And it's like, oh, wait, we're, we're not just going to beat the Russians back and kill them. And then they retreat into Russia. And then we get to celebrate bringing the strong Ukrainians. All these people who are signing up and enlisting in the military they are getting killed and they're getting their arms and legs blown off. And I, as a human being, don't want this to happen to me. And so they're saying, hmm, not sure I want to do that. And so uh, I, I really, I, I can't stand the Republican Party and I don't uh, like to uh, quote them in a praiseworthy uh, way. But there was a, one Republican that made a good point when even more money was on the table to be sent to Ukraine. And this person said, what's an extra $5 billion going to do that $60 billion couldn't already do? Which is basically the question that I've been asking since the beginning. How much and for how long? And do we really think Ukraine can win? These are difficult questions that require us to swallow our pride and to, and to think in an honest and careful way. Because if you can't win the war, what good are you doing, your own people, if you keep fighting the war? I mean, it just sounds, it's like uh, kamikaze, right? <laughs> that you could ask the same thing of the Japanese in 1945. Like, it's over. There is no way you're going to win. The Allies have already defeated Hitler. They've reclaimed Europe. The European theater, the war in Europe, is over. Italy has surrendered. Germany surrendered. You're it. It's Japan versus the world. <laughs> they would not stop. They would not stop. And why? Because of pride. Because they came from this uh, old world emperor view. You don't surrender. 
you fight, you fight, you fight. And that, of course, gets to the whole uh, debate about the use of the atomic bomb. That, of course, it was a unbelievably horrible thing uh, to do, but Japan was just never going to surrender. And if they hadn't used the atomic bomb, there would have had to have been a land invasion. And there seems to be a consensus that way more people would have died, although yeah. not in such a well, apocalyptic I, I, fashion. Well, I, been, I really push back on that because... Yeah, that, sure. that I'm w- not saying I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, well, during the... Or soon after when it was done, you know, that was the... Um, you know, that was the uh, party line, uh, so to speak, uh, position. The official position was that there was, uh, and they told the troops that, you know, uh, it would save a million troops because they'd have to um, uh, invade. But the fact is, is that they were very close to um, surrendering uh, at that time. And, of course, Russia... Um, uh, made war with them um, like a day or two before the bombing. Um, and uh, it's pretty clear now that it was it was rushed. As soon as that happened, they didn't want uh, um, um, they wanted to complete the experiment. So basically, um, all there was to it, it was was not necessary. It was not even necessary to. Um, you know, kill the hundreds of thousands of, if not millions of people and the fire bombings and carpet bombings of, of cities throughout Japan, um, uh, that unlikely would have uh, accelerated the end of the war either. Um, you know, it just uh, caused lots of carnage. Um, uh, you know, they, that was the case with Europe as well. Uh, all the bombing that was done for that was for naught. Um, you know, it didn't, uh, there were no strategic advantages and it was actually incredibly, uh, dangerous for the, um, air, airmen that, uh, it was like a 50% casualty rate, uh, <laughs> which is incredibly high. That's like kamikaze high, uh, right, right. uh for Germany, uh, you know, and it didn't slow down industry. They just, uh, hardened industry. They, um, you know, it just was not worth it, but it was just, uh, that was when, um, our, our military especially took on the total war attitude of Hitler and it stayed with us basically that, um, you I know, totally agree with, the, with yeah. what you just said. I mean, yeah. um, I didn't mean to endorse the, what the yeah. historians say, right. it's yeah. just the narrative that we've been taught that the, the way that you put it, we imported the Nazi way. Yeah, the total the, total war. I mean, that that was his, you know, that everything is game, right? Uh, uh, and, of course, when the nukes came, uh, that's the basis of it. It's just like, we're going we're gonna to nuke you, right? That was, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and uh, it was kind of, it was a very good thing that, uh, you know, I'd heard about this one just recently, uh, one of the spies... Uh, that gave the um, Russians the uh, information for the plutonium weapon uh, nuke. Uh, you know his reason for doing it was to to uh, stop the U.S. Uh, to, for there to be a deterrent uh, against the U.S. because we were planning on uh, until we found out that R- Russia had the bomb. Uh, we were building up to attack them. I mean, that was the plan. We were going to have like 300 bombs, and we were going to attack them with it. You know, that was the plan. So there was going to be World War III uh, uh, right. shortly. That, if, the, yeah. it, was, it, it was not a military decision to use the atomic bomb. It was a political decision. It was a show of force. It was meant to say, mm. we're the new swinging dick in the world. Right. And we're and, and we're this and we're this fucking crazy, man. We're gonna right. do, we'll do this shit, right? We're the craziest of all. Yeah. Like after this World War II, you thought Hitler was crazy. You think Mussolini's crazy. 
You think the Russians are brutal and hardcore? Look at this. Yeah. Nobody's done this. And, uh, uh, and I think it's pretty clear the same attitude that uh, really got instituted in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, we see it uh, just right up front. We imported it from the Nazis, yeah. and then we've exported it to our allies. You can see the mentality in Netanyahu in Israel. Just slaughter. Yep, and we're all about it, man. We're all about it. No one wants peace, man. We need more of that joy blotter. <laughs> Give peace a chance, man. <laughs> video, man. Joy blotter. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a good... Yeah, uh, that's a good title. Joy blotter. <laughs> but speaking of... Um, it, speaking of music and videos, it, it, I think here pretty soon... It's time uh, for you and I to get a CD out, and, and you need to help me make a music video. Yeah, that's right. We've got the, the Oblivion uh, Feast. Uh, Oblivion's Feast. Oblivion's Feast. Got a, uh, we got the title for the album, at least. Got to go from there. <laughs> yeah. We could do a video. Have you gotten your... Uh, your uh, electronic keyboard uh, rehooked up. I don't think you were using it last time I was there. Oh yeah, it's always hooked up, man. It's never. T I never turn it off, man. It's always. And then you got you have the old timey piano in there too, right? You got drums. <laughs> mm-hmm. Got the That's perfect. Got the studio. Uh, yep. So all I need to do is. Uh, uh, Find me some uh, good-looking hoes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, wheel them on down here. And say, shake that thing, <laughs> baby. I'm going to play some music. We're gonna twerk. We'll watch. We'll film you twerking. <laughs> then they then they can put us up there with with these other uh, new age superstars. Yeah, it'll be a, a collab, us, us, us veterans of the world. Right, the old school hippies uh, <laughs> coming together with the, yeah. with the, uh, the the new age artists who have revived uh, the, the counterculture through with a blend of, of rap and techno. We'll bring the blotters. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring the blotter. You just shake that ass, we'll bring the blotter. For my colleague and co-host, David Vernon Miller, this is Dr. David W. Overby with your supply of joy blotter. We'll come back next time for the Oblivion Podcast.